0: The Indie Ball season is firmly underway, and we're going to break down all the excitement from the past week here on this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we are back, episode number 119 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will, we got news. And we have items that we were supposed to talk about last week that we forgot about that we're going to talk about to kick off this week.
1: Yeah, it, it happens to the best of us. There's just a lot of talk about, a lot of exciting baseball to talk about, and kind of just flip our minds, you know?
0: Exactly. I mean, like, when you have actual baseball to talk about, and a lot of it for, like, the first time in 12 months, it's pretty exciting, especially considering, you know, two of these leagues did not play last year. And... You know, there's obviously a lot of stuff going on. So we wanted to get yeah. to that and talk about that. So,
1: yeah, we just don't know how
0: to act. Yeah. Plus, we had Todd Frazier to talk about, which, you know, we don't have to talk about this week because, well, mainly he's on the uh, IL now, and that could very well end his uh, Sussex County Miners, I guess, career. I don't see him coming back yeah. after the Olympics, and I don't think he's going to play much more. Yeah, it, that was
1: unfortunate. Uh, You just just hope it's good to go for the Olympics. But, you know, our money hit was pretty cool. So, at least we got some some good things out of it.
0: Exactly. I'm sure uh, Sussex County appreciates the financial boost in t-shirt sales and everything from it.
1: I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do.
0: Yep. So, with that, we'll get to the little bit of news we have. And then we'll jump right into the actual uh, play on the field this week. Because we actually do have a lot of teams that we want to talk about. Because it's been a pretty exciting week in independent league baseball, but first things first we have our first no hitter of the year. Michael Austin threw it. Seven inning no hitter against uh, Lake Erie and one half of the doubleheader the other day. That was his first start with the minors after being traded there from Washington. So that's a that's an interesting way of saying you messed up. You shouldn't have traded me. Look at what I can do. Yeah,
1: exactly. Now I, I think that that was that was the coolest part about it. I'm sure they were happy for him, but, like, man, that's it's got to be a tough one to swallow, essentially just being traded off because, um, j- just because they didn't have a spot for him. Uh, and he's like, all right, how did you not make a spot for seven no-hit innings?
0: Exactly. I mean, and, like, that's the kind of pitching reliability you're going to want to have, and we're going to talk about it a bit later on. The division around the wild things is certainly not easy. New Jersey's coming around. The Miners are coming off of getting swept, which is something I didn't think I was going to be saying coming into this week, but we are here at that point anyway. So, uh, seven-no-hit inning starter is certainly someone that you could use, and he's definitely making the most of it, and he is, uh, Michael Austin is certainly making the point of I can still pitch very well, and I'm going to prove that I can pitch really well, and I think uh, if he can even do half as good for uh, the rest of the season... He's definitely going to be an essential part of that rotation. But it is just a, a fun accomplishment to see here. And it's funny how baseball works out sometimes.
1: And and let me say this also. I mean, Madison Bumgarner did this uh, the seven-inning no-hitter in the MLB this season. surely considered a no-hitter. Let me be very, very clear about something. It counts as a no-hitter. Oh, there, absolutely. This, this was a game that was scheduled to go seven innings for whatever reason. And just because it's not the pitcher's fault, the game wasn't a nine inning game. He threw he finished the game. He threw a complete game and gave up no hits. Therefore, it's a no hitter. It just has to be nine innings because if you throw eleven innings, uh, and that's that's I'm sure that's still considered a no hitter. So why wouldn't? See, I understand the argument for. Well, he might not have um he might not have finished like a nine inning no hitter, and therefore we can't count it. I just think it's. It's such a cool accomplishment that doesn't happen very often, and um, and it, sh- it should be recognized as such, no matter what level it, it, it happens at.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. If a game's scheduled to go a certain length, and you go that length without giving up the hit, by definition, it's a no-hitter. I mean, is a nine-inning more hitter more impressive? I, I suppose, but I mean, still... You didn't give a single hit. It's still an impressive feat there, and not many pitchers get to do it, even uh, even though we have seen a bit of an uptick in Major League Baseball with that uh, this yeah. year, at least. But regardless of that, it's still a cool accomplishment, and you certainly don't see it uh, too often, especially not on the indie ball level uh, at all. So with that note, we got two other bits of news to talk about both in the American Association. Uh, first off, Kurt Smith, last night, so it'll be Thursday night while you're listening to this, he tied the Lincoln Salt Dog home run record for the career at 90 home runs. He stands, a would say, a pretty damn good chance at breaking that record at some point this year. I do know at some point soon, I want to say this weekend, he departs from the Salt Dogs to join uh, the Netherlands team at the Olympics or at an Olympic qualifier in Mexico. So depending on how that goes for team Netherlands you may have to wait a little bit longer to see the record-breaking home run or depending on how tonight goes I'm not actually entirely sure because we're recording this at 830 so he may be in the lineup for Lincoln tonight I do not know but if he is then I guess he still does have a shot if not then gotta wait a little bit longer either way a very cool feat for a guy that's been around for quite some time in indie ball and had a has had clearly a very successful career in independently baseball, especially with the Lincoln Salt Dogs.
1: Yeah, no, it's always, it's always really cool to see those like franchise really just to see those broken, and, and of course the, the Olympics really throws uh, kind of a wretch into it, which is um, you know they might have to wait a little bit, but you would assume he'd probably be back at the, to to Lincoln. Um, of course, qualifiers. If the well, who knows if the Netherlands will make it at all. Uh, to the olympics themselves pretty sure it's not that many spots left mm-hmm. uh, anyway I'm, i think this is the last qualifier i'm pretty sure because i know at least that when the u.s qualified that was their second to last chance so um it might have to wait a little bit but still it's going to be um it's still going to be a, a really cool accomplishment but when it happens and but hopefully they recognize it as such
0: Yep, definitely, and we're going to see a lot of record-breaking this year in the American Association, it looks like. Already we have Kevin McGovern uh setting, I believe, both the strikeout record, and I want to say he has the win record. If not, he came very close before his contract got purchased by the Cardinals there. So a lot on the table here for the American Association rewriting their record books. And on that note, they are opening the books and adding a new team. We knew this. We talked about this a couple weeks back. And they were adding in a team and we cannot pronounce that county's name. So we're going with Lake Country, which is what they've been calling themselves. And it's also what their official team name is going to be. The Lake Country Atlantic or not Atlantic, the Lake Country American Association Club but will officially be known as the Lake Country Dockhounds. Uh, the logo is coming soon. That will be released 10 days from when you're listening to this. If you're listening on release day uh if you're not listening on release dates coming on the 29th of june so not next week but the week after we will be probably breaking down discussing a logo again on an audio platform when we're talking about something visual so naturally that's going to be a great time as always but still pretty cool name i actually really like this name it's feels minor league baseball like without getting like real crazy like some of these other names have been recently
1: I appreciated the fact that they actually went for like a legit name and not like just something so ridiculous. It's very clear what the motive is and just to try and sell So I'm honestly, I'm I'm honestly a fan of, of the dog hounds. I think it's it's a good name. It's not over the top, um, which I, which I do appreciate. I think that that comes in a little bit, a little bit too often, but yeah, it's, I'm interested to see the logo. There, there's a good way to include branding as well, like with mascots and such. I mean, well, it's going to be a dog. So uh, <laughs> yeah. so it makes a lot of sense with the location of the team as well. Of course, with all the lakes around there, you see, I mean, of course the idea is lots of dogs and lots of boats and dogs. Yeah. So, you know, that makes sense. And I think it's a cool way to try to immerse yourself into that community instead of just going something ridiculous like the um I don't know like the pink poodles or something and then um,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: and and just try to sell merchandise so it's a nice touch uh, I'm, I'm excited for it and excited to see the rest of the branding come out
0: yep absolutely you've seen some more out the names I guess you could go with uh, like the y'alls was a little bit out there even like the list of names whenever uh, they released all of them. There were none that really sounded like, okay, this is a legit baseball team. I think except for like the Cole Sox. I want to say it was like one of them. I may be mistaken. The, oh, no, it's the No Sox. That was it. my mistake on that. But like even y'all's, it's like if you took out the local representation there, it would be so out there. And there's dozens of other ones you can look across uh, all minor league baseball, certainly. I mean, if you want to go into affiliated minor league baseball, like the rocket city trash pandas however funny of a name that is it's not really like a, a team you could see like 40 50 years from now as like this grand storied team or anything of that nature but like the doghounds you certainly could see and i will say i'm ready for a dosh hound to be the logo but i kind of want it to be like a beagle or something like that because i think like you could do like maybe like a beagle with like a life preserver around it and it wearing like a captain's hat maybe work an anchor in there somewhere i think that would be a really cool logo but all in all i think you do open up a lot of possibilities and it will be cool to have the milkman with a natural rival just right up the road from them so that will be uh, certainly something cool to watch in the 2022 season however We do have the 2021 season to still be talking about, and we have a lot of teams in the North and South divisions that need to be talked about this week, and we're going to start with a team that's been really good so far this year. We haven't talked about them really at any length since the preview show, and when we did talk about them, we were more or less saying, oh, well, we don't really expect them to be all that good. It's a fight for the second spot in the North division, and this team's really not going to be in there. And that's the Chicago Dogs. I think it's safe to say that both of us were less than hot on their odds of making the postseason. And really having that great of a season. And they have definitely proved us wrong to this point. 18-11 as uh, we record this. And they've had a pretty decent year. Maybe not so much batting-wise. Pitching-wise, they've gotten really great performances. Especially as of recent from Michael Bowen. Um, or Bowden. Uh, Marnin while he was here, Paul Schwindel while he was here, Kinley's pitched well. Really, they've had a lot of guys pitching really, really well for them, and that's carried them uh, quite some ways uh, to this point in the season, and i I got to say I'm a bit surprised by this.
1: I'm certainly surprised by it. I think, just in general, I mean, the Dogs, at least last year, were a heavy offensive team that really struggled to pitch, not that they were like out of this world offensively, mm. uh, but but you know they they've been really surprising now they've won a lot of close games so i mean one could one could ask how like how much could it keep up but i mean how about Ryan Lidge i mean Ryan Lidge i mean the uh, behind the plate i mean more definitely more of a contact type of guy uh still still hasn't homered yet on the season but sitting 358 and, and that's kind of the guy that they really didn't have last year even about Casey Hobson really having a nice bounce back year. I think I mentioned that in the preview show and another, and an interesting point here about Casey Hobson. Uh, we know, I mean, Atlantic League fans, American association fans, Casey Hobson, he going to hit for a lot of power. He's also going to strike out a lot. However, this year he's really cut down on the strikeout. His walk, his walk to strikeout ratio is identical. 17 walks and 17 strikeouts and 106 plate appearances and and 106 at bats. And that is, that's a game changer for, for the Chicago Dogs offense. He's not just becoming a a guy who's sitting in the 7-8 hole and just swinging for the fences. Uh, that really helps out a team like them. So, you know, not that they're tearing the cover off the ball offensively, but they're getting a lot of production from guys that, uh, that they really, that they really needed to um to, to keep themselves afloat and their pitching. I, I believe Michael Bowden was my uh, American Association Pitcher of the Year, uh, preseason pick. He's been really good, 285 ERA and five starts. Uh, of course they, they, uh, a lot of their better relievers, uh, have had their contract purchased at this point. You mentioned a couple of them, Nick. And so that's going to be something to watch and how the, how they're able to, um bring in new guys. That, Honestly, they, they've been really impressive, uh, in the pitching and Jeff Kinley, a guy I've been really high on since his Somerset days has been just wiped out, uh, in the back end of the bullpen In the ERA just over one in 16 and two thirds innings. Only has walked three and struck out 18 in 16 and two thirds innings. So, uh, I'm surprised, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's next, uh, on the guys to get picked up, especially lefties, uh, definitely a m- more valuable, uh, more valuable piece, uh, more valuable than righties. If, and the organizations would like to look for those lefty relievers. So it'll be interesting to see how much longer he's here, but certainly led by their pitching, and um, I'll, I'll end some, some names uh, in their lineup who are who are exceeding expectations, certainly.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and to be fair, too, they also have, I think, more of a power mentality in this lineup, because if you look through it, only three guys are batting above 260 right now, in Greer or Greyer, uh, Hobson, and Lidge. But you have a guy like Hobson, he's hitting six home runs to this point. Grant Kay, three home runs. Johnny Adams, seven home runs. Harrison Smith, five home runs. They have about 27 in 29 games. So they're averaging about a home run a game, and they're getting extra base hits too. They have 60 extra base hits excluding home runs to this point too. So they're doing more of a power approach, I think. I mean, when your team averages at 245, yeah, I, I really wouldn't say you're a, a contact lineup. Uh, so they, they're they finding ways to get runs across, like you said. And like you mentioned, there's a lot of good bullpen pieces here. Goosen Brown's another guy, only 12 innings pitched so far, but he's done very well too. Uh, the only thing I would be maybe concerned about is starting pitching. Uh, Christman, he's been up and down. Uh, he, obviously a bit of a jump going from the USPBL to the... Um, American Association certainly is a jump. Bowen has been well. Uh, Gray, he just got picked up, so that's a guy you're going to have to kind of replace in your rotation. Jake Dahlberg's been getting some starts, and he's been doing okay, but, I mean, uh, he's a guy that you have to make a decision on if you want to continue to use him as a starter. I imagine the answer is you kind of have to now when you lose a guy uh, like that. And I mean, we don't know how long Bowden's going to be here for uh, if he keeps pitching this well. Kipper's been... Again, another guy that you want to see a little bit more out of a six ERA and five starts, so that that's really the only area where I'm kind of concerned with this team is the starting pitching. Uh the offense I want to be more concerned about than I am, but I'm just not at the present moment, just because like like I've said, and like you said, they're getting runs across for right now, so that's not that concerning to me, but they are certainly a surprise to this point and I like you said. I wonder if it keeps up. I know Milwaukee started to heat up. They got a nice extra inning win, come from behind win last night in uh, Sioux Falls. So who knows if the dogs are going to maintain that top spot in the division? But as long as they can kind of hold back everybody else and maintain that that second spot in the division, all is well for them. And I mean, really, the only other team that in this division. That is posing a threat to them is Fargo Moorhead, and they've been rated just like Chicago's been rated as far as uh, talent is concerned by MILB clubs. So uh, it'll be interesting to see the top three in that North Division, how that shakes out.
1: For sure. I, I think it's essential that all these close games they are winning. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll see if they're going to be able to keep it up. And I, I think the battle between them, Milwaukee, and far, I, I still think Milwaukee's definitely the best team in this division, mm. uh, with Fargo and Moorhead not too far behind. So we'll see, it, we'll see if it starts to even out or if Chicago continues to uh, exceed expectations. they have certainly impressed so far.
0: Absolutely. And there is there always is the possibility that someone comes from behind and, and you know, gets into the mix of this as well. And Winnipeg's a team we've been talking about a little bit. We mentioned a couple of weeks back how they've kind of been on a disappointing start to the year. They haven't been playing their best baseball, but... As of recent, they've started turning around. Five and five in their last ten on a two-game winning streak as we record this, and you know, ten and fourteen isn't terrible at this point in the year. You know, you don't want to let things get away from you. You're at about the quarter mark now, so they are starting to kind of round that corner. They had a good series against Cleburne, who we'll talk about if not next, the team after next, and they are getting you know production at the plate. They have what one, two, three, four guys batting above 300 at the moment. Also, a guy like Dakota Connors, who's still hitting well, about two eighty nine. So they are getting offensive production. That's not really a concern. They have guys hitting home runs, uh, plenty of home runs, too, at that. So I'm not uh, too concerned at the plate here. But pitching-wise has been a bit of a struggle, I think. It's safe to say for uh, the Gold Dice at this point, and that certainly held them back. They've improved a
1: little bit. I mean their offense is really carrying them right now. Hmm. Like really carrying them. So you know, you wonder how long that could, how long that can keep up is if, if these if their pitchers, I mean, they lost Thompson, so uh who's been who Corey Thompson is who was dominant uh this year out of the bullpen before uh before he got picked up. Still have guys like Jose Jose and Seabrook, uh even Perez out of the bullpen, I think I, I guess you could say the bullpen hasn't been as much of an issue, but the starting rotation has just been abysmal. Listen, they're still within, they're still within, certainly within striking distance. So, um, so that'll be something to watch. And all they need to pitch, they just need to be an average pitching team, and they'll be in the mix. But they're far from that at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. To build off of that point on the starting pitching, uh, just going off the four guys that currently have four or more starts, so you know the consistent starters. Both Gonzalez's have ERAs over five and a half, so that's not going to do the job at all. Uh, James has an ERA of seven and a half. That's certainly no good. And when you're looking at one of your better starters being Eduardo Reyes, you would think, okay, that could be fine, but he's given up 12 doubles to this point in the year. He's walked 19 or walked 18, my mistake. He struck out 19, 19 earned runs, 36 hits in about 30 innings. ERA over 5.8. Not exactly what you're looking for here. So their starting pitching is putting them behind the eight ball early on, which obviously puts a lot of pressure on their bullpen to have to kind of bail them out. And obviously that's been, you know, not exactly working all the time by a 10 and 14 record, but it's worked well enough, but now you don't have Thompson anymore. So there goes one of your bigger threats. You mentioned Jose, Jose and Seabrook and Perez. Those three have been fairly consistent. And after that, There really is nothing in this rotation here. I mean, they all have ERAs over five. And so there's nothing consistent there. And there's only so much that, like you said, the offense can carry you on. Now, granted, I do want to spend a little bit of time on the offense here. When you got a guy like Max Murphy, who's batting 350 with seven home runs, you can certainly get away with getting carried by that. Jay Gonzalez is batting very well, I'd say he's batting. He's getting a hit a third of the time. Kevin Lechance is doing well. Navarro's doing well. I mentioned Connors earlier. Seferina's been doing pretty good, too. Kyle Martin's doing what he does, which is, you know, less of a contact hitter, more of a power hitter, seven home runs, 22 RBIs. I actually got 13 walks at 27 strikeouts, so not exactly great, but, you know, not terrible, I would say, for the kind of player he is. I mean, there's there's guys that are getting on base, they are getting hits, but... I think this kind of is almost like a Gastonia type situation, which is how sustainable is the offense. And when the offense falls yeah. off, can the pitching kind of get back on pace?
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting comparison. I think at least in the, in the case of Winnipeg, I have more faith because of, because a lot of those starters who have been disappointing, at least they have some sort of track record of being good mm. in the past. Right. So I, yeah. I think that, I think that's the big difference where uh, where. where with the Calstonia, as, as we'll we'll touch on later, as they've kind of come back down to earth in the Atlantic League. Um, a lot of those guys are are, are pretty new into pro ball, but uh, at least for Winnipeg, there's, there's, they're, they've definitely improved over the last week. So I'm not going to act like they've continued to just be terrible like all throughout, they're improving a little bit. They need to improve a lot more. Uh, but at least there's a record, at least there's some sort of track record of those guys being good where, hey, maybe as they get deeper into the season, um, they can start to turn it around. So that's, so Winnipeg, I think, uh, I mean, they're all, they're always going to hit, maybe not at this level, but, uh, they're still an intriguing team. I won't give up on them yet, despite all the times they've crushed me.
0: You're still holding out hope for that one time where they come through for you, and I mean, turnarounds are always possible. I mean, that's evident in our next team, which is the Kansas City Monarchs. They've currently Mm -hmm. ran off eight straight wins. Uh, They've managed to go from essentially the basement, where they were last week, to now a half game out of first place, currently in sole possession of that last playoff spot in the South Division. I know it's way too early to even mention that word, playoffs, but... For whatever it's worth that's where they're at currently 15 and 10 8 and 2 in their last 10 and they have turned it around certainly from a slow start they they're running hot right now and that is a definitely a positive for them batting wise they've been pretty damn good most of their starters are you know batting 250 or higher which is always something that's a huge positive positive. and their pitching staff has been very 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 reliable to this point despite seemingly having a guy getting purchased from them every other day and uh, I gotta say I this is the team that we were talking about in the in the preseason in the previews and whatnot this is the kind of talented roster we expected and the results we expected
1: Yeah, I think just the fact that they've had so much roster turnover early in the season, um, I think that's that's really made them uh, a better team now. And looking at a lot of their of their pitching staff, who I mean, guys who early on have been good are gone, right? Yeah. Uh, But you look at arms like Cody Minty, and Cody Minty has been excellent. Um, He's been really, really good. I only given up one run so far in 13 innings. And of course there's other bullpen arms like Diaz and Brian, um, and Brian Ellington as well, the former major leaguer. So, uh, you know, the starting pitching, certainly room for improvement, uh, certainly room for improvement there. Um, but, and even another guy in that bullpen, Jamison O'Grain, uh, got to a bit of a slow start, but he's really starting to turn it up now. Uh, I mean, the bullpen has really been lights out lately, even though they keep, they, they at least had guys in the beginning picked up left and right. They're starting to develop some stability, uh, and, and that's really helping them out. The, the Monarchs are, they're starting to turn into the team that we thought they were going to be. Took a little bit longer, uh, than we thought, but you know, when you're going to commit to, um, building a roster, that's trying, you know, it's going to have a ton of turnover, like, like the Ducks do every year in the Atlantic League this is what's going to happen and they're going to be a little bit streaky uh, as teams are scrambling to find guys to replace them. And I think that's that's really what we saw here, but I think that they're really starting to turn it up. they um, and, you know, the two top two teams, them and Cleburne, we thought in the South Division, certainly going in opposite directions, to say the least.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about Cleburne in one second here. But I do want to just point out some of the other guys that have been doing really well. You mentioned Cody Mincy, 13 innings, ERA sub one. Another sub one guy would be Diaz. He's a, a 10 and two thirds innings. Brian Ellington, you mentioned eight innings, 1.12 ERA romano five and two thirds he's got an era of about one and a half uh there's just so many guys here that have been doing really well the concern i do have is also a lot of guys that got picked up there were starters a guy like stout a guy like baker a guy like uh, most recently uh schaefer these are all guys that are starters and kind of key pieces here so they're going to have to find ways to replace them. And that's going to obviously be an issue. We've seen, as we just discussed with Winnipeg, what happens when you don't have good starting pitching and you have to really stress your bullpen out. Uh, so that's uh, that's going to be a problem for them if they can't find good replacements there. But like you said, that's part of the deal when you build a team like this. You're going to have to find replacements. It's something you kind of got to factor in. I do want to also just talk quickly about some of the batting that they have going on. Guerrero's done amazing, adding th- over amazing. 300, six home runs, 25 RBIs. Granted, his walk to strikeout ratio is way, way off. It's a uh, one walk for every 11 strikeouts at the moment. Which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not that big of a stat guy, but that's not ideal. So no,
1: not ideal, and could signal some regression that's coming
0: uh but let see now i call regression a tomorrow problem as long as he's that not is a tomorrow problem exactly so until it becomes a today problem it's fine uh willis I, exactly willis another dude he's batting 299 he's done very well hernandez a dude we've talked about a lot he's doing very well santa's doing very well which again 80 grade name uh, group john's batting nearly 400 through 24 games so i mean again that's pretty good it's a team that i don't see all that much power although they do have like really two guys three guys that are providing most of their power a guy like uh, gillespie he has six home runs, but he's batting 181. So we all kind of know exactly what his uh, deal here is. It's an out or it's a home run. And then, of course, you have Guerrero, like I mentioned, with his six, Hernandez with his five, Wills with his three. You got a couple of twos and ones out there throughout the rest of the lineup here. But by and large, they're finding ways to get on base and they they have definitely uh, recovered from a slow start.
1: Absolutely. And of course, baseball is a game that really needs, uh, needs sample size and, Streaks happen all the time in such a long season. I think Kansas City is a good example of that. They're really starting to to play significantly better. Uh, eight, an, eight winning, an eight game winning streak does the talking. Uh, that really illustrates that point. Of course, they're not going to they're not going to be eight and zero the rest of the. They're, they're not just going to play at this rate the rest of the season. But this does give us a glimpse of the team they can be, and the team that we all expected uh, to potentially compete for a title.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and one team that is uh, currently on the other end of that like eight-game winning streak has the opposite results at the moment would be Cleburne, like we were just talking about. They're on a five-game losing streak. They are currently the second-worst team in the South Division, and they have 11 wins to 16 losses. They are playing the Houston Apollos this weekend, and they really, really need a rebound series here. Because my God, it's really not going their way. They have the bats working fairly well. They got one, two, three, four, five guys that are really getting it done. And then you look on the pitching side and you can really see where having a good team really comes back to haunt you at times when you have one, two, three, four guys. I believe at the moment, maybe five guys, I'm maybe missing here, from your rotation pitching staff getting purchased. That's going to cause real issues, and we're seeing that right now. Their pitching staff is not good at the moment.
1: Yeah, not 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 good at all. It's tough when a team a team that we really thought that their rotation was going to be good coming into the year, and and the team that really came in that came into the year, the rotation was good sort of for the guys that we talked about, right? Yeah. Uh, but but unfortunately, when When they started to get contracts purchased, they really had not done a good job filling those holes. Of course, much easier said than done, but their best rotation arm at this point, done with with an ERA of 4.10. Not really going to cut it high to be an ace of the staff, uh, to say the least. They're hitting. uh, So that's the good news, but the pitching, at least lately, has been really, really bad. And if you look at overall season numbers, maybe the pitching hasn't been like horrific. But lately, uh, with, with the group they currently have, has been really, really
0: rough. Yeah, absolutely. The The one guy that's been consistently getting playing time and consistently doing well is Kyle Chavez. About yeah. 23 innings, an ERA under three. Uh, coming out of the bullpen there, that's pretty much about as good as you can expect from him. So, I mean, you want to look over the last seven days for them, it gets... It gets a little bit better for some guys. Gunn has had a good start. Seven innings, one earned run. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Caruza. He's also had a similar start. Seven innings, one earned run. There was three total runs, but two of them were unearned, earned so it's not that bad. Wright pitched fairly well. Seven innings, two earned runs. So they're, they're getting guys in there that can do it a better job. But, I mean, outside of that, there really isn't much there. Chavez has been playing fine fishberg and probably only one outing maybe two outings not terrific two and a third earned run against and then from there it just kind of devolves into not goodness if that's a word so that's yeah, an issue the batting it like you mentioned though has been consistently doing well and that is something that is going to help them out a lot i know avon has been a dude that's come out of Seemingly nowhere for people that don't really pay much attention to this kind of a thing here. Uh, he's batting well. We got her, the other Hernandez doing very well. Ale Lago doing his consistent i bet 300 routine again, which is always nice to see uh, for fans of Ale Lago. Zach Nerrier's batting well. And Ozzy Martinez, a guy that we had some questions about because he didn't do terrific uh, the last time he was uh, around independent league baseball in New Britain in 19, he seemingly had a resurgence. He's batting about three seventy, not much power, but I don't think we really were expecting much power out of him. He's getting base hits, he's getting on base, and that's really all you can ask of him. So certainly doing well there. And also I just want to point out the pitcher, Kyle Schaaf, is 2 for 4 so he is venturing I into pitchers-that-rake uh, territory. Okay. He is in
1: that territory for sure, but I mean, the offense has really been, has been impressive. They're hitting for power. Um, and so that's, uh, however, the one thing I had, I did notice is they strike out a lot, uh, which, you know, I, I mean, they, that'll they come with the territory as far as hitting for power, but the offense has probably been better than expected, I would say. They really haven't lost too many guys on that end, uh, to affiliated clubs. So. Um, I, I think that could, make, that could make some sense, but uh, they, they need their starting pitching to be significantly better if they're going to go over there. It's, just, it's really just that simple.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I almost feel like for, especially because with pitchers, it's a bit voodoo, and I think it's a lot mental. I almost feel like if they have a yeah. really good series here against the Apollos, you know, they go out, they do what's expected of them. They kind of beat up on a team that has four wins, which I know I was harsh on them last week. And really, if you do watch them play, they play better than a four-win team. I will admit that. It's still, though, just if you're a four-win team, there's only so much credit you can get. But there's a lot of decent individual players on the team. I will say that much. But that aside, it's a team you're expected to kind of get some wins against. I feel like if they do well against the Apollos, maybe not sweep them, but take like two games from them and you do so in a manner which it's a shutout or a one- or two-run game, maybe that helps out the starting pitching. Maybe that gives some confidence to the pitching staff as a whole, and maybe that can help turn things around for them. Uh, they just need something, I think. They just need, I really think they just need that kind of definitive series to go, no, we still can do this. We can get uh, shutouts. We can get strikeouts. We can keep guys from getting on base. And I think if you just have a couple of good starts that you're able to string together, the rest will kind of come.
1: Yeah, that, that 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 is. I think that's definitely a possibility. Just a just a kind of a continent series against a team like the Apollos to try to get back on track. I think it's really important to them. So, um, so a good series, a good series there, and maybe they start to make a climb, uh make start to make a climb up towards the top of the standings. Uh, of course, a little bit of a long a long road to get there at this point, but. Uh, the the talent, I think, at least on the offensive side, is still there. I would say that the ta- we know the talent is there. But, you know, all the guys we highlighted are gone. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's kind of tough to say that. Um, but so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Big series for them this weekend. Though.
0: Yep, absolutely. And so with that, we can move on to our next league, the Frontier League. There really aren't too many teams I really think need highlighting this week. Uh, we could talk a bit about tri-city struggles but i feel like we've talked about them a lot and i mean what more can really be said outside of they do find a way to lose games uh they lose a lot of heartbreaking games too and so i'm just going to kind of back burner their team for a little bit here because i don't think you really need to us rehash the same exact points again and again and we'll come back to them in a week or two and see if they've improved but a team that has kind of consistently improved in that same division is certainly the new york boulders they are a team that's just under 500 they're coming off of a sweep of the sussex county Miners with a todd frazier in the lineup for a third of those games and even without frazier it's still a tremendous team in Sussex. We've talked about them seemingly ad nauseum. And, man, I'm really surprised that they were able to pull this off. Especially the game on Thursday night. It was a pitcher's duel. And Josefina went head-to-head with uh, Tyler Alexander. A dude that throws hard. A very, very good pitcher. And they outlasted him. They won 1-0. And I was really impressed with this Boulder team over the past uh, series. And really, the past week, they've done very well.
1: Yeah, I I think the boulders, their starting pitching really has has been impressive uh, to this point, and it's and it's really led by guys that you you didn't so much expect, and I think that that's what really has helped them uh, in a series in their in their sweep of Sussex County, which really nobody saw coming, especially with. The Todd Frazier there, but I mean, you look at guys, of course, he got ended up getting picked up today in Brian Rapp, but mm. Ryan Rapp was really, really good in his four starts, uh, with the Boulders, uh, 3, 3.15 ERA, uh, in four starts there. Uh, and Warchansky, uh, the guy, the guy Nick and I got the chance to see pitch against Tri-City. The walks are really high, but. He's still, so de- he's still able to get out of the jams. I mean, his ELA at 1.92 is really impressive, but I'd like to see those walks come down a little bit. But I mean, the pitching really that whole series was what led them to a, to a big sweep, which as they're trying to compete with, with Quebec, uh, a, a team that, you know, it's almost, I, I don't want to describe Quebec as a ticking time bomb just because so many guys are, are getting ready to go for them. Uh, to the Olympics. I don't want to describe them as that, but at the same time, the Boulders recognize the position they're in, especially with Tri-City just being an absolute disappointment so far. They recognize that a, that a, that a division title is really there for the taking, and that this series was, it was a big step uh, towards really putting themselves in that conversation, even though their overall record still might not be great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do want to just point out here while we're recording this, where Chansky actually got the start tonight, and that game's in the bottom of the fifth. They're playing New Jersey. at 7-5, so it looks like the walks may have actually finally caught up
1: oh, and it. Oh, and there it goes.
0: Yep, and just one note on Tri-City, they're playing Sussex again. Uh, that's 5-2 Sussex in the top of the seventh. They're at Tri-City. So, just want to point that out real quick. But yeah, no, they've done a really, really good job. Honestly, Batting's almost more impressive to me for this team because this is a team that when we were doing like the preview, I didn't see any like major threat at the plate for this team. Mm-hmm. And there have been several guys that have stepped up. Zach Kirtley has done a very good job, three home runs, 286 batting average. Keontae Mitchell, another dude, batting over 300. Ram is batting 350. I believe he either scored or brought home the winning run last night, meaning Thursday night. And Jake Sundberg is batting 350 as well. These, this yeah. is not a team that's hitting for power. I mean, the, the leading home run guy has four and they only have 12 home runs in 19 games. This is a team that's finding a way to get on base. And a guy that we all like the two guys, I think that we were saying, oh, okay, they're going to be important for this team if they want to do well and want to succeed and, and Pemprays and Tucker Nathans. They haven't really been doing all that great. Nathan's batting 242, only a home run, only 16 hits so far to this point, scored 12 runs, and he's gotten on base 12 times via walk, but not the most impressive thing. I mean, and Penn praise is only batting 200 coming into the night, and he only has 12 hits. So, I mean, it's not exactly like they're lighting the world on fire here. Everyone else seems to be getting the job done, and you gotta appreciate that, and you gotta kind of acknowledge that. This team's finding ways to win games like that. And the pitching staff is doing a pretty good job as well. I mean, you mentioned a couple of guys, but I want to just circle back to Josefina. He has two start seven appearances, about 19 innings. An ERA sub a half. He's got a .49 ERA. That's impressive. And James Mullery's a dude that I really liked in 2019. And I thought he was key to one of the better bullpens that really wasn't that highly sung. And he's doing it again. Grant, small sample size, 10 innings, but a 1.74 ERA. So certainly talented there. Tanner Kears has rebounded from a couple of bad outings very well. Even like their starting pitching has been, well, Grant, you a little up and down chansky who was really kind of the rock here and obviously that's kind of circled back around on him uh tonight but by and large has done fairly well josephina looks to be a natural in that spot like i was mentioning matt Vallon kind of needs to figure that out but uh, you know it's early yet strom isn't terrible i think he's pretty decent as well pasco mm, only eating so we can't say much there yet but by and large, I think this team's better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. I still like Quebec. I understand they're a bit of a time bomb, but I still like them to win the division. But Rockland slash New York slash whatever you really want to call them, the Boulders have been better than expected.
1: Yeah, they've certainly been they've certainly been a lot better than, than I expected. Well, shout out um shout out Frontier League Journal. Shout out Dave yeah. uh, for for being on the Boulders. From the beginning, and I, I think even even though they're not in first place at the moment, at this moment, I think you have to say this this is their division to lose uh, right now. Uh, and I mean the way the way their offense is continuing to hit, and you'd think there's still some room for room to grow there because I really do think Nathan will start to turn it up eventually, putting a lot of balls in play right now. I think he'll be I think he'll end up uh, being fine, and this team might end up hitting for a little bit more power than they've shown. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're, play, they're playing a lot of small ball, a lot of hitting for contact, and that's certainly not a bell thing. And if, if that's going to help them win games, uh, then it's going to help them win games. And they, they've certainly been doing that. And as um and In a big stretch like this this week, when they, of course, they played Succes during the week, playing the Jackals this weekend, they've really shown that they're up to the task. And I think that's a a good sign for Boulder fans.
0: Definitely in that case. and I will say one thing here uh, in regards to Quebec versus New York. One thing that's going to be very, very interesting to see here is A, if we get an open border, because if we have an open border, then essentially all of September, with the exception of the last series, is going to be in Quebec. For equip, so that could be a very big decision maker or deciding factor as to who wins this division. But also, the schedule for uh, Quebec at the very end here is a four-game set against New Jersey, then two against the Boulders, and then three against the Miners to end their season. So that's certainly not an easy way to end their uh, to end their season. As far as the difference goes with who New York gets to end their season. If you just give me one second here, I can pull up their schedule and, and take a look at the same, uh, same schedule here. New York winds up with four against Tri-City, two against Kip, and then three against New Jersey. That seems to be much easier, especially with the way things are trending right now. Yeah. As opposed to what Quebec has. So that could definitely be something that's important going in there. Plus, I mean, there is always a possibility Tri-City does better. They also added, like, Willie Garcia for nothing today, which seems a bit interesting. Not even, like, a player to be named later listed in that trade transaction, so that's a bit odd, certainly. Uh, so we'll see how that works out here, but yeah, the Boulders, I think, are starting to become favorites in this division, at least at this point, but... Uh, regardless of how their division shakes out, the Northeast is still interesting because while the Miners are probably the favorite still, despite a rough midweek trip uh, to New York, they are only a game and a half up on the Jackals, who are three 7-3 are and three in their last 10. They have the benefit of playing Rockland this week, which, granted, is better, like we just spent about five to 10 minutes talking about, but they are certainly finding their groove too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and we, we've talked a lot about Sussex. Of course, they're on a little bit of a schneid, uh, right now. And the Jackals are are taking advantage. And now it sucks that, uh, one of the, that that both these teams can't can't win their respective divisions. I mean, the Jackals have been continue to play well. They're seven and three, uh, in their last 10 games, you know, uh, they're not hitting for a ton of power, similar to Rockland, only hitting 14 home runs in 19 games. But, I mean, Jason Agresti behind the plate has been an absolute stud for them, hitting 357 in his first 16 games. And, and even a guy like Olive Santiago Torino having a, another Santiago Torino-like season that he continues, that he has pretty much every season, hitting, hitting over 300. Uh, and not, not a lot of power, but he's always going to put the ball in play. And uh, that's definitely what they need for, from him. And even Alfredo Marte, average is only 270, but he's hitting for power. He's hitting five home runs in 19 games, which is a great mark there. And so I think that's a great sign uh, for their offense. And, and on the pitching end of things, you, you definitely see a little bit of room for improvement. Hereford, uh, in the starting rotation, although he's a little bit new into that, three starts a one sixty eighty RA has been really impressive for them. Uh Dylan Brammer in the closer role uh also also has been really good. Uh but you know they are gonna need more from guys like Chase Ingram in the starting rotation. John Hayes has been really disappointing so far. A guy that I really like from the Atlantic League. He's in 19 innings, he's walked fifteen and struck out ten. That's that's tough. That's really tough. I, I think their pitching you could say has probably been a bit of a disappointment so far. But given all that They're still 12 and 10. That's a pretty good sign for them, I think, and that they're right in the mix, despite the fact that their pitching has really struggled.
0: Yeah, I would say so, too. I don't know how much I agree with the pitching has struggled here, just because Brammer's done very well at the pen. Vogel, granted, seven innings, but six appearances, has done well at the pen. Zargowski's done well. Uh, Weinberger's done well. Corral is only three games so far, only four innings so far, but he's done well, too. Uh, Milik has done very well as a starter. Hereford's done well as a starter. So that's certainly the case here. I will say Baez is a, he's a fine guy as a starter. Three starts, 3.76 ERA. so I mean... As like a number three starter, you definitely will take that. I'll grant you, uh, like you said, Hayes has been disappointing. Chase Ingram needs to be a little bit better. But by and large, I think their bullpen's perfectly fine. I think they've done fine. I I just don't... Uh, I think the batting is more where my eye goes to as an area of a little bit of concern. Just because there's not a lot of uh, guys putting balls in play. But even with that... One, two, three, four, five, six guys. I believe I got here with that are 270 or better. So, I mean, it's not even like it's that big of a concern. Uh, all in all. So, all in all, I do think it's a really solid team. And I think the bullpen's really the strength of the team. But this is a team that I think is going to be kind of circling back to when we were talking again in the preseason of. This is going to be a very interesting division between Washington, New Jersey, and Sussex, where you have three really solid teams here, and they're all going to be fighting all the way through. I think we finally have the team that's going to challenge uh, Sussex County in this division. I think we've kind of sorted out between is it going to be Washington or New Jersey. I think we now know it's New Jersey. I don't think regression is going to hit them that hard, even when it does happen. So it's going to be interesting to see here. And I will say, the next series between the two, I'm not sure when that is, but it is going to be... Something very interesting to watch.
1: I agree. I, I, well, as far as their pitching, they're both been good. I, I still, think the starting rotation is, is a concern for me. Coming into the season, we thought that going to be better, and at least at least rotation depth has been kind of a struggle for them. But I, I don't think they're going to regress at any point. I, I don't. I don't really see that from this team. I think there's just there's a ton of talent there.
0: Yeah, but regression, I mean, more or less, they don't have what four guys batting over 300 uh, and uh, a lot of really strong bullpen arms. I, my version of regression is just kind of a little bit closer to average and not where they're at now. I still think, you know, they're going to be a very solid team, uh, the rest of the way through. And just for any, uh, just for a thing of note, the next time they do play the minors is Fourth of July weekend. They have three games against them two at Yogi Berra, one at, uh, Skylands for, no, and, yeah, and one interesting schedule quirk: next week they have a decent little homestand. They play two more games, you know, this weekend up in uh, Rockland at New York. Then they come back home. They play two games against uh, the Boulders at home. Then they go up to Tri City if the schedule is right. They go from New Jersey up to Tri City for one game, and then they come immediately back for about a three or six game homestand. I'm assuming that's fulfilled right now. I assume so, too, but even still, that's a really, really odd quirk where yeah. you would think you would reschedule it because, like, they were just up there in Tri-City. If I'm not... Oh, wait, no, wait, that was at home. I'm yeah, still I there.
1: Yeah, I guess
0: why would... Well, I mean, I guess in that case, it would just... do a double header, right? Yeah, like, that's what I don't... Like, I will say the next time they do play at Tri-City... I think, is not for a while. If Yeah, now they don't play at Tri-City until the very end of August, beginning of September. But even then, wouldn't you just rather make one of them a doubleheader as opposed to yeah. literally interrupting? Yeah, because otherwise it would have been nine straight home games. So you just have two at Yogi Barrett, then you have to go all the way up to Albany, play one game, and then immediately come back next day, unless the uh, point streak schedule is wrong, which is certainly possible.
1: Oh, but it is possible. It's, it's not likely.
0: Yeah, it's just, that's just a really weird quirk. Like, it just seems like Very such weird. a such a stupid quirk, too.
1: Yeah, you don't see that much in minor league ball or indie ball.
0: Yeah, like, I just, like, it'd be one thing if it was like, okay, we have to go up to Rockland for one game or to Sussex for one game. It's like, okay, well, it's about an hour, ride, so it's not that big of a deal. But I imagine it's about two and a half, three hours to get up to Albany. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's not close. It does. It's tough. You really, you really don't see it a lot.
0: Yeah, it's so.
1: Uh, that is a weird quirk.
0: Yeah, it's certainly something that's very, very odd. So, on that note, we'll leave the Frontier League for this week, and I will leave you with one final update of that Jackal Boulder game. We are now in the bottom of the sixth. It's still seven five, and also Tri City has gotten no closer. And apparently, the Yalls are really the big scorers of the night, winning 10-2 uh, to two at the moment at the top of the fifth over Quebec. So, you can figure out exactly when we're recording this section. We go to the Atlantic League now, and I will say there's actually a decent little bit of teams to talk about, and most of them are in the North Division, but before we start diving headlong into that North Division, we do have to say, the Legends are back into form. They've won five in a row, they are the best team in this league, and I don't think they're going to be slowing down anytime soon.
1: Not at all. Not at all. I mean, the, we we talked about how talented they were, and you you had guys even even when they were winning, you well like Courtney Hawkins, and then Courtney Hawkins just caught absolute fire, like absolute fire. He is just absolutely mashing, and like we know that Courtney Hawkins can. And that's really helped um, this Lexington lineup a ton. You know when we recording if you're listening to this. So I'd like to give a quick scoreboard update to the Lexington-York game. Uh, considering New York's pitching, not good. Lexington lineup, very good. You know what happened? Uh, in a shocking turn of events, the Lexington legends are leading 13 to 2 in the eighth. So that, I guess that could be, you know, somewhat predictable. I mean, they're hitting a ton of home runs. They, they've got two home runs today. Hawkins is 3 for 5. Uh, even Jordan Pacheco is 3 for 5. They have 18 hits. Uh, so, they are having their ways uh, with with the York Revolution pitching staff, um, and to say the least, so yeah, uh,
0: not going great for York.
1: No, no, it is not. Uh, but Lexington's having a lot of fun, and uh, of course, but beyond just the game tonight, it swept a really good High Point team. And I know you look at the standings and you say, yeah, oh, well, High Point's nine and nine. They they're they're much better than that. They've had a lot of guys purchased from, uh, purchased from their team, but Lexington's red hot. And you know what, Nick? Uh, here, here's a fun stat for you. Yeah. If you remember the Memorial Day Weekend when the Northeast just got absolutely pummeled by rain. Yeah. Uh, and which of course affected the Atlantic League, uh, Frontier League, and a little bit of the American Association too.
0: Mm.
1: So the Lexington Legends. Three of their four losses, they had one loss to West Virginia, and they had three losses to the Ducks in their first series. Yeah, those three losses were all seven inning games. So the Legends' record in nine inning games this year are, is twelve and one.
0: <laughs> so as long as they play nine, they're almost guaranteed to win.
1: And honestly, and you and you didn't think to think back to the specifics of. Uh, th- th- those those losses to the Ducks. One, they were up three nothing, and then Hector Sanchez had a grand slam in, in the bottom of the sixth inning. Uh So the, that was that. One, and the next one, walk off grand slam by Steve Lombardozzi. And then the other game, I think the Ducks just won five nothing, and it was uh, they were best. All uh, I mean, the Legends, are, they're so talented from top to bottom. There's no weaknesses on the team, and they're showing why. They're showing why, the, and they've pushed, a, pushed their division lead to four games in the South Division. But, you know, uh, I, I guess I'll stop talking now because I've been talking for a while. And let Nick also tell you about how good the Lexington Legends are.
0: What I gathered from that is essentially as long as you don't allow a team to get the bases loaded if you're Lexington and you're playing in nine, you're essentially guaranteed a win. So, yeah. like, they're I could keep adding on to that, but I don't know how much good that's going to do. I mean, you look at their team stats, and, I mean, they're, they're seemingly pretty good in every regard. Henry Owens is, like, doing really, really yeah. good. Like, really yeah. good. Probably the best they're starting pitching. I'm starting to get concerned that they're going to start having guys, you know, getting purchased left and right now, which is certainly a concern. But even that, I mean, they're, they're filling in gaps here. I mean... Even like, I mean, there's no real weak spot here. I could continue to just kind of, you know, fawn over them like Will has been doing. But I think uh, I think he kind of really put into perspective when he says they're really good because they're 12 and one when they're playing nine innings. And there's not much more I could really add to that. I also just like to point out this is with Brandon Phillips just playing home games, too. He's still there. Uh, We have to keep that in mind, too. So that adds another extra little bit here. Well, yeah.
1: actually, Phillips traveled to York tonight. Oh, he, he did? His first, it's his first road game, yep. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and, and they also have J.J. Hoover now,
0: too. Don't forget about that.
1: Yeah, for, this is unreal. Anyway, and if you're wondering how Phillips is doing in his first career road game tonight with the Legends, he's 3-for-5 with two RBIs.
0: Who would have thunk it? A Major League All-Star second baseman that's probably a Hall of Famer, at the very least, on the edge of it, is doing very well against substandard pitching.
1: And Henry Owens, shout out to a uh, uh, two-time guest, Jesse Sky leon yeah. uh, who talked about the adjustments that Henry Owens made. He, he, Owens was really just a, a puzzle that they weren't able to crack, uh, really at any level, uh, after after his major league fit with the Red Sox, even at Indy Ball with the Monarchs and in, and in the Sugarland League last year. Uh, and, you know, that's why Dave Island is there and why Dave Island has made such a big, I'm sure Dave Island had a big Uh, has played a big role in in Henry Owen's turnaround. And I I think there's a good shot he gets picked up here pretty soon Uh, because the stuff has always been there. But, I mean, I think Dave Island deserves a lot of credit for the success of this team.
0: Oh, absolutely. The coaching staff to put around this team has been very good. I mean, the only one that was slightly questionable would be P.J. Phillips. But, I mean, even then, PJ's has had success on a lower level of indie ball. So, I mean, like, you could definitely see why he was put there, uh, so when you put the assistance that they have around him, it makes that decision a lot easier, and that probably explains why they keep having pitchers getting picked up, and why you can have these kind of major league level pitchers, I mean, we mentioned J.J. Hoover, we mentioned Henry Owens, there's also a Habs child who just got picked up as well, that, you know, they're major league quality pitchers, so Having a major league quality pitching coach is certainly going to help out a lot, too. Uh, I do want to just circle back to the next team now, just to keep things moving with Long Island. They're really good at pitching. Like, they're the only team that has a team ERA below four. So, like, that's really impressive plus fewest home runs allowed. I also think they are currently at the fewest walks allowed, or at the very least not far, okay, they're not quite there, but they're only about 10 off from taking that lead. Lexington has the fewest, and then, surprisingly, Southern Maryland. That's a little surprising to me, given how their season's gone, and we'll talk about them in a bit, but overall, Long Island, a team that had, I think it's fair to say a little bit of a slower beginning to the year, but could probably be chalked up by playing Lexington a lot, playing High Point a lot. They've Turned it around a lot.
1: You know, even offensively, they're still struggling a little bit, and that was my main concern for them uh, coming into the year. But, you know, you look at a guy like Joe Iorio, mm-hmm. uh, who's really just a solid arm at the top of that rotation. And the LA of 235 right now after, after tossing seven strong innings tonight uh, again, against the Barnstormers at the time of this recording. So he's been very impressive. And they're, they're, a, they're a pitching factory there. So I guess that that's not too surprising. Coming into the year for them, so the Ducks have played a tough schedule so far. I think they'll start to separate themselves once they start playing. You know, they haven't they haven't played Gastonia yet in their series against Southern Maryland. They swept them, so or uh, well, I believe took three out of four. I think the Ducks are going to really start to separate themselves, and I think we'll start to see that here within the next week or so.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I do want to point out. That Johnny Turbo is apparently here to here to stay, and he's batting three oh nine. And I still can't get over the fact that Johnny Turbo is a guy's name. Like I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's just like you gotta respect the name Johnny Turbo.
1: Oh, absolutely, you have to. (laughs) You know, he's 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 gone back to the days when um, back in 2018, where he was one of the one of the best contact hitters in the league. And he's starting to get back to that after somewhat of a down year last year. Um, so he, he's been he's been a guy they really needed in that in that at um, the top of the lineup.
0: Yep. And then one guy I do want to point out for maybe not the best of reasons, Mike Bolsinger's a guy that we all were really like, oh, he's gonna be good. He's gonna be good. He's gonna be the ace of the staff. He has not been good. Like it, Grant, no. you four starts, but in four starts, fourteen earned runs is not exactly great, especially when it's twelve walks to sixteen strikeouts. An ERA of almost eight—not exactly what you're looking for. Not,
1: not at all. I and mean, he—he's really been the one starter uh, that is disappointed in that rotation. But wouldn't be surprised if he starts to turn it around. Maybe, maybe you, you never know the, zoo, the The excuse me, the, the strike zone um, may have some a little might have some to do with it. Uh, but you know, I, I think that uh, I, I think he's a. I I lean towards the track record and that he'll be fine, but you know the Ducks, the rest of their pitching staff is so good they can they can continue to give him starts and let him try to figure it out.
0: Yeah, on the flip side of having an easy schedule versus a hard schedule, you have Lancaster. That's what or Lancaster. That's got it's about a similar record. I think they're ten and nine and tied for first or a half game out of first with Long Island what's their deal? Because I'll be honest, I haven't seen much of them. So I really have no idea what's going on there. And I just kind of look at them comparing the roster that we saw coming into the year and the results we're at now. And I kind of assume this is the benefit of playing Gastonia a lot and playing, I don't want to say bad teams, not as good teams, not playing your high points, not playing your Long Island's, not playing your Lexington's. I just kind of assume that's why they have 10 wins at this point.
1: Yeah, so the the really uh, the easy schedule is part of it uh, certainly for them but and uh, also part, of, their offense is absolutely smashed like more more than uh, really a lot of us a lot of us could have expected. I mean Melvin Mercedes is hitting 384. And uh that's something we didn't really expect. Blake has six-hole run, Kelly Dugan hitting 315. Uh and so the offense as a whole has been really impressive and I, the pitching staff has been pretty bad uh, yeah. I'll just say um so the offense is really carrying them right now but if they start to play better teams they're in Long Island this weekend we'll see if we'll see how much uh we'll we'll see how much that continues but I, I just really worry about um I just really worry about um their 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 pitching depth that just seemingly they have to use so many pitchers uh just because they they're not able to get great starting pitching.
0: I will say one star, though that has been pretty good is Tommy Shirley. He's been doing very well, sub three and a yeah. half ERA. So that's that's a solid uh, arm right there. And I will say I'm kind of surprised because he wasn't great in Rockland, and now he moves up to more difficult competition, and he's doing better. So I I don't know what to make of that. But
1: uh, I think there's certainly improvements that he must have made over over the over the off season. So it'll be interesting to see if he can keep it up, but. No, they definitely need him. They, they, they really, really need him. It was their rotation, top of the rotation that I liked coming into the year. They're not here anymore. They got picked up. Uh, they're going to need a guy like Shirley to pitch well. Uh, and he's certainly improved from, from what he was in Rockland in 2019. That part has been impressive, uh, to see. So it'll be interesting to see if he can keep it up.
0: I'm wondering what he did to get better, but it's still interesting there. And so on that note, we do have one other team to talk about this week, which is Southern Maryland, because technically speaking, they are the worst team in the league, granted by a half game, but yeah, bad team still nonetheless, or worst team nonetheless, rather. And uh, I assume it's because they're not hitting, because that's normally a thing here. Or is it because of pitching? Or is it just because it's Southern Maryland and everyone had expectations for them coming in, and now they have to do their yearly "We're gonna let you down," not easy routine.
1: You know, honestly, it's kind of both. I mean, they've had a couple of guys who have, who've have been improved, like Kent Blackstone at the plate. But I mean, David Harris, guy that a lot of us a lot of us expected better. He's only hitting 148 right now. Josh McAdams hitting 197. Uh, that's not gonna cut it. Uh, and their their pitching has not been very good either. So it's hard, to, it's hard to pinpoint one thing, uh, that the Blue Crabs have struggled with because, you know, it's kind of been a lot of things. Uh, but the offense has not been very good. The starting rotation, they didn't organize it the way I thought they would. Uh, and, they, you know, guys like Brandon Barker have been pretty good out of the bullpen. Dalton Geeky's been good. Carlos Diaz has been good. Matt Latos has been good. Uh, but I mean, the rest of them have, have not been good at all, like at all. So I think that that that's been difficult for them to overcome. But no, they they just they, and they have won three in a row. They are losing the high point at the moment, uh six to three in the eighth. You would have to assume a high point probably holds on to that. So the blue crap schedule is going to get tougher, Uh and so. Yeah, I think their offense really needs to pick it up and they really need to pick it up soon. But I think they they're, they have issues in pretty much all, all facets of their team at the moment.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at this rotation here. Barker's good. I like Barker so far. Yeah. I've seen enough of Mike Devine to know he's better than a 4.5 ERA. So I'd like him to he's turn... He's also been better. In, yeah, I know he had a really strong better. start his last time out. So he did, yeah. Hopefully that's a sign of more to come. Uh Daryl Thompson, he's better than his ERA says he is, so I expect him to get better. Austin Glorious, I don't really know. I feel like he is a 4.30 ERA pitcher, maybe a little bit worse. So, I mean, like, he's fine, I guess. But Burton is just not good. You need to find someone better than that. But, I mean... In fact,
1: he's he's a starting pitcher on an Atlantic League team. Not going to go well.
0: Yeah, like... I feel like with the rotation they have, though, they can make do with that. But, you know, Latos is fine in the ninth inning. Geeky, I think, will be better. Only six in the third innings. He really isn't that bad so far. Diaz has been good so far in about the same amount of innings. There's other guys that, you know, I think you can be fine with to get by. Uh, but batting, I think, is where my concern, more or less, is. you mentioned, David Harris. I mean, yeah. he's batting under 200. That's not good. Josh McAdams is a dude that, like, he's not going to hit all that well contact-wise. He's a power dude, and he's not hitting for power right now, which kind of makes him a liability when he's not yeah. doing the thing he's good at doing. Pisano's doing fine. He was off to a really hot start, now he's cooled down a lot. I mean, like, Alex Crosby's doing good, Bach is doing good. Marshall, I have no idea where the hell he came from, but he's playing very well. Um, and then you mentioned Kent Blackstone. He's doing better than last year. He's a productive player in the lineup, so that's all you can really ask. But, I mean, why does that make four guys, maybe five guys, that you can yeah. say, okay, they're going to provide some positive offense? Either you want to include Zach Collier, who I may, I'm 50-50 on including him on there. It's still not great.
1: Nah, no, the, line, the lineup... It's interesting because their lineup really struggled last year and their solution was to bring back most of the same guys and it's not working. Yeah,
0: see, this is why, like, when it comes to Southern Maryland, I keep saying they're like the Florida Panthers of the Atlantic League where every year we're saying, this is the year. They're going to be good. Look at all the pieces they have. And a lot of guys, they showed promise at different points in the year last year. This is going to be the year. And then they come out and they do the same thing where, they have stretches where they're good. They're a really good-looking team. And then there's stretches where it's just like, what is this team? And that's why this year I said I'm not being fooled by them. I got fooled me once, shame on you, Fool me twice, shame on me. And I wasn't yeah. going to be fooled this time. Now, granted, again, it's very, 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 very early in 120-game season. But I just, uh, I don't know if I see enough of a team here where I'm like, yes, they'll turn it around, and yes, they will find a way to grab a wild card spot and be in the postseason
1: yeah i think it's honestly looking more and more like there's just gonna be three teams from without division that's what I, that's how i would put it
0: yeah like i think we're i think lexington we know they're they're in long island we know they're in those are two teams where unless the whole bottom falls out and stays out for quite some time we know they're in so really it's a fight for the last two and high point i mean like their record's deceive him because the Lexington series I think you mentioned really messed them up pretty good so that's going to happen so I feel confident saying yeah they're the one wild card it's yeah. a matter of who's that other one and I think we can still say West Virginia at this point granted it's a little bit more touch and go and I mean maybe disrespectful to Lancaster to say that or maybe York but I mean both of those teams we've kind of said they're they're a bit of a mirage at the moment
1: yeah, I have more faith. I, I have more confidence in West Virginia playing better than either of those teams. Honestly,
0: mm, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, so
1: I think that that's probably the group at the moment, which is not too unexpected from what we saw earlier in the year. Uh, but those are probably those are probably the top four teams as of as of right now. Unless, but of course, rosters change, so we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. I guess with that, we've kind of reached the end of recapping the whole week. We've recapped the news. We've recapped everything. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next week. It'll be interesting to see what movement happens. Uh, I know the American Association has a lot of really close series. So maybe we'll see some changes there. The Frontier League's always dynamic. And even the Atlantic League, there's still a lot of possibility for some some early season uh, movement. So we'll, uh, we'll be recapping everything that happens this week, next week. So... It'll be definitely fun to watch. So with that said, I think we can go to the plugs and get out of here. If you want to follow the show on social media, you can do so at Twitter at Indie Ball Pod. You can do so on Instagram uh, at Indie Ball Report, And you can also do so at ALPB underscore news on Instagram for all your Atlantic League needs. Uh, you can find all the links to everything we mentioned here today as well as articles and videos and other stuff on the website, uh, IndieBallReport.com. And you can find the show wherever you find podcasts, so TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Like I said, just about every major podcatcher should have the show on it. So be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your Podcasts, and so with that said, do we have anything else left to add for the week?
1: Anything else left to add? Uh, well, the Celtics made a trade today yeah. or or last night, uh, and they they dealt Kemba Walker. So, just want to say thank you to Kemba Walker. I, you know, I, I, he's a great guy. His knees are, uh, you know, he's going to have some knee issues for the rest of his career um so i feel i feel bad that his tenure with the celtics didn't go as didn't go as well definitely wasn't so much what he did just like his knees breaking down a little bit uh yeah. but but just want to thank him for for his time with the boston celtics and hopefully with some cat flexibility we can build a much better team around Jalen brown and jason payton so yeah. that's that's my thing to add to the week
0: so originally I was going to be talking about the 12-team college football format that's supposedly on the table because I think that'll make uh, everything a lot more interesting to watch. However, I'm still against using like the Rose Bowl and Sugar Bowl and all those as like semifinal games because I feel like it takes prestige away from bowls that I feel like actually do matter and actually do have prestige. I think they should just be, you know playoff formats and we don't need to give bowl game assignments to playoff games it's kind of stupid in my mind that was the original plan but see then the rangers hired a coach and so i said "Oh, we're throwing college football right out the window because we got to talk about gerard gallant and how for the first time in months the rangers didn't do something stupid instead we took the easy route and did the easy thing and the obvious thing and i'm very thankful for that And I really thought I was beyond the days of going, please, God, don't screw this up. I thought we were beyond that. But then, you know, firing the architects behind a rebuild that's gone extremely well to this point kind of put me back in this position, especially seeing that Glenn Sather is closer to the front office than he should be, which means he's not five states away. But regardless, Gerard Gallant's now the head coach in the New York Rangers. He is probably the best candidate that was available coach of the year i believe two years ago a winning track record in florida and in vegas he comes to new york with about the best possible roster you could ask for inheriting wise and i'm really excited to see what a real coach will do in new york as we are now through the quin era of just randomly benching young talent for making mistakes that teenagers and mid 20 or young 20 year old players will make And we we have constant line assignments. It's going to be fun. You know, I I feel confident about making the postseason and possibly winning a round or two. It's a great time again in Rangerland. And so I'm I'm really excited for that. I'm happy that Gerard Gallant is the head coach. And I'm even more excited that Rick Tockett is not anywhere near this coaching staff. So that's very exciting to me. And I will end this by saying one other thing. In about a month from now, I'm going to be constantly harping about the NHL draft. And if the Rangers still have their pick, I'm going to be praying to God that Cole Sillinger winds up a New York Ranger.
1: I'm surprised Gallant lasted this long. Honestly, on the NHL coaching market, it was only a matter of time. Double fans like me, the guy we should have hired, goes to the New York Rangers. So, there it goes. But, you know what? It is what it is. It's still like I seen like uh, for, for the long haul. Uh, we'll see what happens
0: in the draft. So, but uh, yeah, I would agree. Very good hire for the Rangers. Yep. And don't feel bad. The Islanders offered Timmy Penarin more money, and he left it on the table to be a Ranger. So it could be worse. <laughs> it
1: could be worse.
0: It could be worse. Exactly. So with that said, I guess we'll end off the show like we end every show, which is saying don't forget to play ball.